Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat right here on your home of every Fighting Irish football game once again in 2023. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Maybe you're listening to us via our streaming streaming services at WSBTradio.com. On the free WSBT radio app. Also, a video stream rolling right now on the free Twitch app. My name is Darren Pritchett. I hope you are having a tremendous Thursday, May the 25th of 2023. Hopefully, you have a nice, enjoyable weekend planned. We got to get through Friday first. Got the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, coming up this weekend. I was looking at the front row, and I'm like, who are these guys? <laughs> I'm spoiled. I'm a kid of the 80s and into the 90s where you knew all the drivers for the Indianapolis 500. You had A.J. Foyd and Rick Mears every year in the 500. Tom Sneva, Gordon Johncock on down the line, the Unser brothers. But now it's it's a little different. You know, Scott Dixon, you know, Elio Castroneves, Tony Kanan. Those are some of the big names of the Indy 500. But, boy, just a lot of unrecognizable names. The Indy cart split just really changed the complexion of this sport, which I think helps send NASCAR to another level. And we've got heck, great weight races all week. And what, the Coca-Cola race, is that still happening for NASCAR? You've got the Indy 500. I think Formula One always does Monaco Memorial Day weekend. So if you're an auto racing fan, this should be an excellent weekend for you. Hey, i got to start with a correction. 
In my sports report, I mentioned Notre Dame baseball taking on Wake Forest. It's actually tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. At the start of the week, I wrote down Thursday. That's on me. So Notre Dame-Wake Forest, that is taking place tomorrow at 7 o'clock down in Durham, North Carolina. And for the Fighting Irish, that could be their final game of the season. I saw one of the experts who puts out bracketology every day. I think it's from D1Baseball.com. Notre Dame was the 64th and final team into the field going into play today. Now, you know there's going to be some bid stealers probably from across college baseball, someone that was not going to get in. They get the conference championship and they move on. So you have to hold your breath a little bit. But the Irish, at least in one person's opinion, last team in going into today, a win over Number one ranked Wake Forest would be massive for their resume with that game coming up tomorrow. If you lose that game, I would imagine it seals their fate as not making the tournament. Their RPI in the 50s right now, which is not overly great. None of their main numbers look really good at this time, but I'm really surprised they're in the 64 position considering some of their analytics. But hey, Let's see if Notre Dame can sneak into the field and beating number one Wake Forest. Boy, would that be a major, major boost for the Fighting Irish. But unfortunately, easier said than done. When I'm talking about number one Wake Forest, they're the top seed in the ACC tournament, but they are the number one team in college baseball. They are filled with pitching, something that Notre Dame lacks on this year's roster. So, again, want to make that correction. Notre Dame-Wake Forest, the baseball matchup down in Durham is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Sports beat on the air till 6.45 tonight. That's when we turn things over to Max and Brendan for South Bend Cubs baseball here on WSBT Radio. South Bend tonight playing game three of a six-game series against those darn Dayton Dragons at Four Winds Field in downtown South Bend. Pre-game coverage at 6.45. First pitch comes your way at 7.05. What do we have on the program tonight? Hat trick of opening topics in just a moment, followed by Kyle Kelly, Notre Dame football recruiting reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He's going to join me to talk about the news from yesterday, a commitment of four-star edge rusher Logan Thomas. Also, the decommitment of defensive lineman Owen Wolfel. We'll also talk about where the Irish stand right now with one of the premier defensive linemen in the country. He is one heck of a high school recruit. Five-star defensive lineman, Justin Scott. So we'll talk to Kyle in about 17 minutes. We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up before the top of the hour. In the 6 o'clock hour, we're going to mix in some National Football League talk, taking each of the eight divisions in the NFL, which team is most likely to see their win total reduced the most from 2022 to 2023. I think we'll have time for our My Five Georgia's won back-to-back National Football Championships. Can they make it three in a row? Well, the My Five is the five teams that could, keyword, could provide the toughest challenge for the Dogs on their schedule this year. And we will end the program with Sizzler last night, our sports wagering segment. Produced a three-in-one night. We're now 7-5 for the week and for the month of May, 40, 32, and 1. 
And now away we go with our hat trick of opening topics here on WSBT Radio. We start with Notre Dame football news. Always nice to get preseason accolades, and three Notre Dame players received that today from Athlon Magazine. Of course, they've got their college football preview ready to go. Athlon named three Notre Dame football players as All-Americans today. We start with the fourth team. That's where we find junior offensive tackle Blake Fisher. A couple of years ago down in Tallahassee as a true freshman, he was Notre Dame's starting left tackle. Got injured in the first half. And we did not see him until the end of the year when he moved over to right tackle because another guy came off the bench to become a starter. And, of course, we're going to talk about him in a couple of moments. That Blake Fisher start at Florida State. Oh, yeah, that was a memorable football game. Well, kind of. Somebody had something to say at halftime about, well, the team not playing well. I don't remember who this was. Do you? I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. <sighs> we don't miss that drama, do we? <laughs> Thank you, BK. All right, so Blake Fisher, fourth-team All-American, according to Athlon, part of an offensive line that helped the Irish rush for 2,457 yards last year, 4.6 yards per pop. 25 rushing touchdowns led by 11 from Audric Estime. And the Irish had seven 200-yard rushing performances in 2022. Blake Fisher, Athlon, fourth-team preseason All-American. We now move up to the second team, and that's where we find sophomore cornerback Benjamin Morrison. What a storybook freshman year for Morrison sort of unheralded in Notre Dame's recruiting class. It did not take long, apparently, for the coaches to realize we've got something special in this freshman. Benjamin Morrison, six interceptions last year, two of those in the primetime showdown against the Clemson Tigers at Notre Dame Stadium. One of those went back 96 yards to the house for a score. He then tied the school record with three picks in the matchup against the Boston College Eagles. And he ended the year in style with another interception in the Gator Bowl against South Carolina. Fingers crossed for no sophomore jinx for Benjamin Morrison, likely teaming up with Cam Hart as the starting corners. And fingers crossed those two young men have a really good pass rush to help them out in the secondary. And finally, Athlon All-American team to the first team and a unanimous All-American selection. We're probably going to hear that a lot this year in regards to Notre Dame junior left tackle Joe Alt. Came off the bench his freshman year into the starting lineup, paid big dividends. Last year, an anchor of this Fighting Irish offensive line. He ended last year being named to 12 different outlets, All-American teams. And Pro Football Focus, who breaks down everything that goes into the game, they rated Joe Alt as the top offensive tackle in the country 
for 2022 and an awfully good chance he keeps that crown in 2023. So Athlon Magazine's All-American squads for Notre Dame. Right tackle Blake Fisher, fourth team. Cornerback Benjamin Morrison, second team. And unanimous All-American selection, left tackle Joe Alt. Now we move to our second hat trick of opening topics. Not going to spend a lot of time on this because this, this is going to be the focus of our interview coming up at the bottom of the hour with Kyle Kelly, the Notre Dame football recruiting reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. But just to set up that interview, the Fighting Irish got great news during the program last night. Katy, Texas High School defensive end Logan Thomas verbally committed to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And he picked the Irish over a boatload of schools that he had unofficial visits to, including the Texas Longhorns, the Texas A&M Aggies, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, the Georgia Bulldogs, the Ohio State Buckeyes, and the Oklahoma Sooners. Thomas, 6'3", 210 pounds from Katy, Texas. He knew a lot about Notre Dame three-day unofficial visit to South Bend on March the 24th. You got the feeling he was getting close to a decision when, all of a sudden, he came back to campus last week. We found out earlier this week he was going to announce Thursday at 545. He made that announcement, and he is Fighting Irish. And for Logan Thomas, he still has an official visit planned with the Fighting Irish on June the 9th. Read all about Logan Thomas at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Within seconds of the announcement, they had three stories up on this premier edge rusher. And if you go to blueandgold.com, they've got a story up right now on another premier edge rusher in the 24 class that Notre Dame is locked in on. And it seems like he might be locked in on the Fighting Irish as well. So check it out at blueandgold.com. Also, you talk about Justin Scott, that five-star defensive lineman. He's down to five schools. Michigan, Miami, Ohio State, Georgia, and Notre Dame. It seems like every recruit we talk about involving the Fighting Irish, you hear Ohio State, and Georgian. Folks, that's a major positive. The Fighting Irish are not backing down against anybody. They are not afraid to go into someone's backyard to get a premier football player. Logan Thomas, a prime example. He's a kid of the Big 12 and the SEC, and he has chosen the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So Notre Dame trying to get An elite, 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 elite guy in Justin Scott. And he's a guy that's not too far from here. So if he picks Notre Dame, easy for the family to come visit and watch Notre Dame football. All right, to our third and final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. We turn back the clock. I want to make sure I said that correctly because a broadcaster on the SEC Network did not say that properly last night. 
But last night's program, right around 6.30, I'm doing the show, and I noticed the Chicago Cubs lineup against the Mets popped up. And I did a double take because out of all the good hitters the Chicago Cubs had, why in the world would they put Miles Mastroboni hitting in the most important spot maybe in the lineup, the two-hole? Well, there had to have been something, as I mentioned last night, from the nerds in the front office. They found numbers against this Mets rookie from Japan, Senga, that made them believe that he was the right guy for the spot. Well, first of all, the Cubs won the game by a score of 4-2, to two, so it really doesn't matter who went where. But Mastroboni last night, hitting second in the lineup, went 0-3 with a couple of walks. So at least he got on base two times to help the offense. My point was there might be five guys better suited to hit second in the Cubs lineup. Nico Horner, who I love in the leadoff spot with Dansby Swanson second. He hit third last night. Ian Happ is a good option, and in particular when he's hitting from the left side, his better side. Seiya Suzuki and Chris Morrell, who is absolutely in fuego. His streak of hitting a home run in five straight games finally was halted last night. I just found it just fascinating that David Ross would go with a guy they traded for in the offseason with no prospect hype. There's really no, in my opinion, future for him with the Cubs. Maybe the next year or so. It was just a very odd move. At the end of the day, Mastroboni walked twice, which is good. Morrell went one for four, but a guy with a 1,400 OPS and hitting a home run in five straight games, it's really strange to see him hitting seventh in the Cubs lineup. Was it the right move? You know what? I guess David Ross did the right thing because it helped them win the game last night for two, but... There's a big difference between one night, a small sample size, and over a month even. That just doesn't seem like the type of move that you would want to do on a regular basis. Because if you think about it, here's here's the easiest way to think about it. When people talk about who should be where in the order, keep in mind the number two hitter is going to hit in the lineup more often than the number seven hitter. Now, it might be just one at bat on one night, of course. But over a month, you think about that could be 25, 30 at-bats. Think about over a season how many more at-bats the number two hitter gets over the number seven hitter. So why wouldn't you want your better hitter hitting second? That's kind of how my brain works on this whole thing. Not saying I'm right, but... It's interesting. So, what happens tonight? Kyle Hendricks on the mound for the Cubbies making his season's debut. I don't think he's pitched since July due to injury. A couple of great starts at AAA Iowa last two times out. The Cubs tonight go with a more normal lineup. And the Mastroboni guy is not even starting tonight. It goes Horner, Swanson, Happ. Suzuki, Tachman, Morrell hitting sixth. Then Mervis, Wisdom, 
and Gomes. So we do not have to have a discussion about where Master Brody hits in the lineup tonight because he is not in the starting lineup as the Cubbies face Carlos Carrasco, who stinks this year for the Mets. I'm just using terminology used in New York, stinks. I'm sure that's what they say about Carlos Carrasco. He stinks. 526 is our time. That's our hat trick of opening topics. More Notre Dame football talk coming up next. Fighting Irish football recruiting reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Kyle Kelly jumps on the program next on WSBT. It is 5.31 on this Thursday evening. My name is Darren Pritchett, and welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Almost 24 hours ago to the second, Notre Dame picked up a very intriguing verbal commitment from a high-end edge rusher from the state of Texas. We're going to talk about that player and more. With Kyle Kelly, the Notre Dame football recruiting reporter and Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can read his work at blueandgold.com. And for a recruiting writer, yesterday was a very, very busy day with a commitment and a decommitment for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Kyle, good to be with you today. How are you? I'm doing well. Much better than yesterday. It was certainly a busy one. Yes, it was. And hopefully today's been a little quieter, and we appreciate your time this evening. So the Katy, Texas football program is going to bring one heck of a football player to the Fighting Irish edge rusher, Logan Thomas. I know on three, which is tied into Blue and Gold Illustrated, lists Logan Thomas as a four-star recruit. Looking at his video clips, this guy looks like a a player that's going to translate very well to the college game with his already pretty impressive pass rushing moves. So offer a little perspective, Kyle, on the talents of Logan Thomas and why do you think the Irish were, like a lot of other teams, very interested in his services? Yeah, this was a uh, big get for Notre Dame. Um, on three, we have him as the uh, number 101 overall player, the number nine edge rusher in the country, and number 23 player in Texas. So, yeah, super big pickup for the Irish anytime you're getting a uh, top 10 edge rusher in the entire class, and then uh, one of the best pass or players overall in Texas. So, just overall on the surface, the recruiting one was great. Uh, for Notre Dame. Then you start to dive in a little bit deeper to Logan Thomas and kind of learn about his background and, you know, his recruitment. And, you know, in talking to Logan Thomas, one of the things that really stuck out to me was just he's like a Notre Dame type kid. He's very well-spoken, great academic kid, uh, just one of those guys that you know is going to be a great fit um, attending the University of Notre Dame. Then you flip on the film and you see a guy that plays like he was shot out of a cannon. He is uh, super fast. Um, he's a guy that runs in the uh, four fives in the 40-yard dash and you know has a lot of these um, power five programs coming after him from the south. And a lot of teams really got involved after he uh, won the MVP at the All-American Bowl National Combine down in San Antonio. 
and that event usually um, carries a lot of the key underclassmen um, from across the country at that combine, and Thomas came away with the award for the top overall players. So kind of put all those things together, and you're just starting to think, wow, this really is a, a really good get for Notre Dame, especially uh, defensive line coach Al Washington. This is pretty much his premier win on the recruiting trail since uh, joining Notre Dame last January. Um, he certainly, Logan Thomas, has the highest rating out of any uh, commit Al, Al Washington has gotten. And, uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of great qualities that he's going to be bringing to the uh, Notre Dame roster come 2024 season. Kyle, it sure seemed like throughout this recruitment, Notre Dame was in a really good position, but I think their position improved a whole lot when all of a sudden he showed up last week, and that was probably a sign to you that Notre Dame was going to get this guy. Yeah, that was huge. I, I mean, I kind of felt that Logan Thomas was trending toward Notre Dame after he unofficially visited um, in March, and one thing I had learned is Usually sometimes when kids come in for these spring unofficial visits, you know, they're sometimes they have a spring break, but oftentimes, you know, they're just in and out for a day or two. Thomas actually spent three whole days in South Bend spending time with the Notre Dame staff on on an unofficial visit. And right away that kind of put my antennas up. And Logan told me he was officially visiting Notre Dame in June. I expected him to see maybe Oklahoma, Texas Tech, a&M on official visits as well. And then, you know, Mike Singer and I come to find out a, a couple of weeks ago that Logan's actually returning to Notre Dame for another multi-day unofficial visit mm. on his own dime uh, to come see Notre Dame in May. And right away, that's like, that's just a big indication there that Notre Dame is probably in a really good spot for him. Um, certainly kind of appeared like he was trending that way. So, once we learned that Logan Thomas was getting on campus for another multi-day-long unofficial visit, uh, I, I think we kind of expected that this was Notre Dame's recruitment to lose. But um, it was still a really great job by the entire coaching staff and especially Al Washington to secure this commitment um, coming out of this weekend and making sure that Logan Thomas wasn't going back to the state of Texas, still intrigued by some of the schools down south. He is Kyle Kelly, Notre Dame football recruiting reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Since we're talking edge rushers, you might as well tease a story you have up right now because it seems like Kyle Notre Dame isn't satisfied just bringing in one elite pass rusher. And I think there's an outside chance they might have the ability to bring in a second high-end edge rushers very soon. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's certainly been edge rusher week over on uh, Blue and Gold, and I actually wrote about two elite um, edge rushers uh, today over there, um, the first one being a five-star edge rusher from uh, Tucson Cell Point um, Catholic down in Arizona. He's a guy that's unofficially visited Notre Dame twice. He'll be officially visiting Notre Dame uh, next month. And then I also wrote um, another story about four-star edge rusher um, Malachi Williams from Philadelphia, Monsignor Bonner. He unofficially visited Notre Dame for the Blue Gold game, and he'll also be back on an official visit next month. Um, so, those are two guys that Notre Dame uh, really likes. Uh, Al Washington was 
out on the on the road um, earlier this spring and visited both of their high schools, and he's made them a priority. And both of those recruits have told me as much they're feeling like um, a priority for Notre Dame. And I think that between the two, the one big one from that group is Elijah Rushing. He has close to 40 Power 5 offers. Um, on three, we have him ranked within the top 50 prospects in the class. He is an excellent player. There's no surprise why so many of these Power 5 schools like your Ohio State and Clemson's and Oregon's are all chasing after him and prioritizing, prioritizing him and Notre Dame is just, gosh, they have pushed so hard for him over the last year and um, put themselves in such a great position to to get an official visit. But that's going to be a super competitive recruitment. He's also visiting Oregon and Tennessee. Um, He's going to be at UCLA this weekend. He's also going to be making two summer visits to Arizona where his brother is a walk-on football player. So then state school is trying to keep him there. Um, Notre Dame is trying to pull him away using the you know Catholic school connection and um, a lot of different other um, variables to, to see if they can get him out of the Arizona area and bring him to South Bend. And I detailed and kind of explained that um, all in my story this morning. And uh, with Malat, uh, Malachi Williams, not a whole lot to add there. He's a pretty quiet and soft-spoken kid. Uh, Penn State, Syracuse, and Pittsburgh our Notre Dame's biggest competition. He'll be officially visiting all four schools in June, but I think this is shaping up to be a Notre Dame-Penn State battle for him. Kyle, should Notre Dame fans begin dreaming big about the possibility of five-star Justin Scott picking the Fighting Irish? He's got apparently five schools on his list now, Michigan, Miami, Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame. Since Irish fans are feeling so good about the defensive line, should they – Dream for that big, big catch? Justin Scott's recruitment has been a uh, tricky one, especially as of late. I I went and saw Justin um, a couple weeks ago at his high school just the, the week after he visited Miami. And, you know, he kind of told me that, you know, this really put Miami up there at the top with Notre Dame and Georgia. And, you know, a lot of the buzz over the last couple weeks has certainly been in, in favor of the Hurricanes. But I'm not setting the uh, panic button yet for Notre Dame. I think that a lot of this Miami effort is a lot of buzz from that last visit and a lot of um, intrigue, I guess, heading into his June official visit, which he'll be making, uh, yeah, next month, uh, returning to uh, Coral Gables. Uh, the the one thing that's a, a little bit of a concern is Justin Scott has official visit set up with Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Miami and Georgia, but he doesn't have set up one one set up with Notre Dame. And high school juniors entering their senior year, um, they're allotted five official visits from now until the end of June. And the NCAA just uh, approved a rule where um, beginning next football season and beyond, you know, recruits that are high school seniors and um, rising high school seniors in the future classes will be able to make um, unlimited unofficial visits, but still Justin Scott has been kind of unsure about using an official visit on Notre Dame. Um, most of his explanation is because him coming from Chicago, mm-hmm. it's a pretty short drive, no reason to uh, kind of use one of his official visits on Notre Dame. 
But now that he's going to have an unlimited number of officials, I think that the Irish are – well, I know that the Irish are pushing really hard to uh, get him to officially visit uh, during the season. And that's going to be the best-case scenario for Notre Dame. They are playing the long game with Justin Scott. I think they realized last cycle with the recruitments of Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen, those were two guys that got in the class early, but they were those were also two guys they lost. Um, you know, great programs, but um, those two guys chose to visit other schools while committed to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame wanted to avoid that with Justin Scott. They're letting him play out his process. And they got to survive the month of June. If Justin Scott comes out of the month of June uncommitted, I think that the Irish are going to have a really good chance. And even if he does make a pledge, you know, this thing's not over till December. I really expect Notre Dame to um, go all the way to the finish. But, yeah, right now it's a Miami-Notre Dame battle. And, uh, yeah, Mario Cristobal and Marcus Freeman, they're really going to be going toe-to-toe for the top defensive tackle in the class. We're talking Notre Dame football recruiting with Kyle Kelly, Notre Dame football recruiting reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Amidst all the excitement about Logan Thomas picking the Fighting Irish, also yesterday there was a decommitment from the 24 class and a guy that had been committed for a year in defensive lineman Owen Wolfel. And, Kyle, I have no inside information, but this seemed like a situation where it might have been both sides saying maybe this is the right thing to do. Am I off base there? No, you're pretty much on point. Um, I, I think that Owen wanted to uh, take a look at Michigan. And, you know, Owen committed all the way back in uh, May of 2022. And I will always vividly remember when he committed. Um, he used a really long and, like, um, Uh, intelligent phrase when he offered his commitment to Notre Dame. He said he was, you know, like verbally committing to the, um, you know, uh, academic recruitment process or something like that. So (laughs) ever since he initially committed to Notre Dame, it always seemed like he left the door cracked open to other schools and that he was going to still consider other programs. But I thought that kind of died down. You know, he had visited Notre Dame for a game day. He had been there in January. He was just back up in April. But then uh, Michigan kind of came in uh, earlier this spring and started expressing interest in in him. And um, I think Owen kind of reconsidered things and, you know, wanted to make a visit to Notre Dame. And then uh, in that same token, Notre Dame, you know, has really extended a lot of offers and um, built up their target list in the uh, 24 cycle on the defensive line. And I just think there's some prospects that they're a little bit more intrigued by compared to Wafel. And I think it just made sense for both parties to say, yeah, this, I, I think it's just better to kind of part ways here. Um, you can kind of go do your thing and we're going to do ours. And, you know, we, yeah, we were happy to have you in the class for the last year, but, you know, Notre Dame kind of wanted to move in a different direction and Owen Wafel, you know, wanted to expand his horizons as well. So I think it kind of worked out well. Um, for both parties to kind of hit the reset button and go in different directions. Hmm. Kyle, how about a couple of Notre Dame recruits that you find intriguing? Yeah, when you uh, you know kind of gave me an idea we might be talking about this, I was uh, thinking quite a bit because there are a couple intriguing ones in this 24 class on the board. Um, I'll try to narrow it down to three, and the three I came up with were uh, – Kedron Young, Carter Nelson, and Gerby Lambert. 
Um, a quick synopsis on each guy, Kedron Young, he's from Texas, going to be officially visiting in June. Um, the Notre Dame coaching staff really wants him to fill that Audric Estime role once Estime eventually goes to the NFL. Um, Kedron Young, he's a big body back. They they like him to compliment Aeneas Williams, who is kind of like a Kyron Williams-level running back that Notre Dame already has committed in the class. So Notre Dame's pushing hard there. Um, Carter Nelson, he has now become the uh, number one tight end target for Notre Dame. The Irish lost uh, Jaden Riddell, a fringe five-star prospect on the Missouri to Georgia earlier this week. Uh, Riddell was considering officially visiting Notre Dame. Instead, he shut down his recruitment in favor of Georgia. And uh, Carter Nelson is very intriguing. He plays eight-man football in Ainsworth, Nebraska. Um, Ainsworth, Nebraska is literally in the middle of nowhere from um, <laughs> my, uh, my knowledge. I, I, it's like a one-street-light town. Um, I'm pretty sure it's, like, closer to Colorado. It's, like, literally in the middle of nowhere. And Notre Dame has been there, I think, three or four times, including Marcus Freeman paying a visit to his school. Uh, Carter visited Notre Dame uh, for the Boston College game, and he's really blown up. He's got a ton of Power 5 offers. The SEC schools are coming after him hard. Notre Dame's really trying to stay in the thick of that recruitment, and they are. Um Carter Nelson will officially visit Notre Dame next month, and that'll be big for them to hopefully um, jump back up into the pole position for him. Nebraska's another school, the in-state program that's coming after him hard. And, yeah, he's a very intriguing guy. But the uh, last one here is Derby Lambert. Um, He is the offensive tackle from West Roxbury, Massachusetts, Catholic Memorial. He's teammates with uh, Notre Dame's uh, defensive line signee, Bubakar Traore, and uh, Gerby Lambert's recruitment is extremely interesting. He is highly regarded as one of the two top offensive tackles in the 24 class, Uh, yet he has never unofficially visited any school, at least to our knowledge. Hmm. He has never reported any visits besides Boston College, which is pretty much a stone's throw from uh, Catholic Memorial High. So Notre Dame is pushing really hard there. I think Penn State and Ohio State are also going to get an official visit for him. And Notre Dame's actually going to host him on a visit next week as well. So, yeah, that's a, a really, really intriguing one to me because a Notre Dame's offensive line board is um, it's pretty tight right now. They already have two commits. They're looking at maybe one more, and they're saving a spot for Gerby Lambert uh, just because he's such an exceptional talent. So that's a guy that um, if you're Notre Dame, you just got to get him up, get him up on campus and hope for the best. And uh, I think that it's going to be their in best interest that uh, Gerby Lambert hops on the plane towards uh, South Bend next weekend. He might be a plug-and-play offensive tackle for the Fighting Irish. At the end of the day, he picks Notre Dame. Kyle, let's wrap up with a couple of thoughts. What will people find at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com this weekend? Yeah, so um, Memorial Day weekend, so we're not planning on a ton of content, but um, I am going to have a couple stories up this weekend that I think that are going to be interesting uh, to a lot of our subscribers. I have one coming on uh, Kedron Young, kind of previewing his official visit. Like I said, he's really a top-of-the-board target for Notre Dame and a guy that um, they really want to see on that roster. 
also going to be uh, sizing up uh, the potential um, five guys that could potentially become Notre Dame's next commit. Um, they've really gone gone on a run during the month of May here and ever since that blue-gold game. And now um, they're probably going to go on another little mini run coming out of these uh, official visits. So just going to uh, kind of preview what, what's in store there. And uh, once uh, Mike Singer gets back from vacation, we'll be a full <laughs> throttle ahead um, with the official visit season in June. So, uh, yeah, we are excited for a uh, big next couple of weeks on uh, blueandgold.com and uh, we hope you uh, come give us a read all right very good kyle kelly notre dame football recruiting reporter at blue and gold illustrated the website blueandgold.com really appreciate you doing this great information on fighting irish football recruiting and we will talk to you soon thanks darren you bet you. Thank you so much. That's Kyle Kelly from blueandgold.com. Sportsbeat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash Solid Ground for details. Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT. Hey, Freedom Fred here from... A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. If you go to my Twitter account right now at 960Sportsbeat, you will find... This Friday's Sports Beat Wings, etc. question. And this week's question is if you had the opportunity to go to dinner at Wings, etc., with a past or present Notre Dame student athlete, who would you choose? We're going to read your responses tomorrow night at 6.05. And at the end of the segment, we will draw one name, and that person wins a $50 gift card from our friends at Wings, etc. Hungry? Enjoy award-winning Jumbo Wings, awesome appetizers, delicious burgers, and a great selection of ice-cold beer at a Wings, etc. Grill and Pub location near you. Again, for a chance to win that $50 gift card, go to my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat and reply to my post, which was all about, if you could pick a past or present Notre Dame athlete to enjoy a nice dinner at Wings, etc., who would you choose? You may not want to pick an Irish offensive lineman because they might eat all the wings at your table. All right, 557 at WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wednesday's program, we posted this question on that same Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat. In preseason quarterback ranking lists, Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman has been ranked below three players on the list that might be considered marginal. Now, Caleb Williams of USC, Drake May of Carolina, I think most of us would agree they deserve to be one and two on the preseason quarterback list. But should Sam Hartman be ahead of these three guys I'm talking about? I gave you the opportunity to voice your opinion. So, which quarterback would you rather have than Sam Hartman? 
from this list. And here are the three quarterbacks. Oregon's Bo Nix, who used to be at Auburn. How about Florida State's Jordan Travis, a guy that Notre Dame faced a couple of years ago down in Tallahassee. It sure seems like he has been playing football for a long, long time. Your third choice, former Indiana quarterback, Washington's Michael Penix Jr. Now, I offered a fourth choice. None of the above. None of them. I want Sam Hartman. So, who would you rather have? Oregon's Bo Nix, Florida State's Jordan Travis, Washington's Michael Penix Jr., or none of them. I'll take the guy we got, Sam Hartman. Fourth place in the voting. Not a lot of love for Florida State's Jordan Travis, a good dual-thread quarterback. There's a ton of expectations in Tallahassee this year. This is the year. Maybe they win the ACC and get into the playoff hunt. If they do, this guy's going to have to have a big year. Third place in the voting. Not a lot of love for this guy either. Oregon's Bo Nix at 6.9%. I mentioned this last night when I threw this question out to you. I still see him throwing picks at Auburn. I know he was great at Oregon last year, but I still see that Auburn Bo Nix more than the Oregon Bo Nix. Second place in the voting. Which quarterback would you rather have than Sam Hartman? 22.2% said they would trade Sam Hartman for Washington's Michael Penix Jr. The best quarterback on the West Coast, not named Caleb Williams. He is a dual threat. Boy, had a massive year this year for the Huskies. That one, okay, I could see the trade. I can't see Travis. I can't see Nix. Penix, I think there's at least an argument. But winning the vote easily, 65.3% say, you know what? I like our guy better than Nix, Travis, and Penix. And that Answer was none of the above. We want Sam Hartman again, 65.3% of the vote. And, folks, I think he got it right. Again, Penix, you could argue. The other two, no thank you. We appreciate you voting. And now a chance to answer Thursday's Twitter question of the day. The Notre Dame football home schedule start times were released on Wednesday. So what will the Irish's home record be in 2023? I mean, you're talking about a schedule with Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Ohio State, USC, Pittsburgh, and Wake Forest. So what will the Irish home record be? Four choices. 6-0, 5-1, 4-2, or 3-3 or worse. What will the Irish home record be? Again, 6-0, 5-1, 4-2, or your final choice, three and three, or worse. That particular Twitter question of the day is available right now on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. And we thank you in advance for participating. It is 602. We're late for a sports update. That's coming up in just a couple of moments. Then we'll get the 6 o'clock hour started. South Bend Cubs baseball at 645 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
leading off on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy's good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. West League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run! Eloy Jimenez! Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye! And maybe that's a winner! Here's Darren Pritchett. It is 15 minutes after 6 o'clock. Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm a big fan of the MLB TV package where I can watch my favorite team play that is outside this market and watch any other game. So amidst our one, two, three, four, five screens we have here in studio, plus my laptop, I guess, is six. One of them I have that package on. I'm watching the Padres and the Nationals game. Why? It's either that or Marlins Rocky. So tough choice either way. But during the break, a very familiar face and name started pitching for San Diego. For me, it was a familiar face and a familiar name because back on April the 9th, 2015 was the first time I called a South Bend Cub game here on WSBT Radio. It was the first game as the South Bend Cubs, and we were taking on the Bowling Green Hot Rods, the Tampa Bay Rays affiliate. And at that time, the opening day starter for for Bowling Green, I should say, was Brent Honeywell, and he was memorable because A, he was a pretty good prospect at the time in the race system, and B, one of his best pitches was a screwball. Now, that's not a pitch that is thrown much anymore. You had Tug McGraw, who threw a screwball back in the day, closing out games for the Mets and the Phillies. But Honeywell had a pretty good screwball, which broke the opposite way of his curve or his slider. And Honeywell started that opening day at four wins field, went four innings, four hits, one run, two walks, six strikeouts. And in that ball game, he gave up a home run to Jeffrey Baez, who at that time was a Cub prospect, didn't pan out. And that was the night in the bottom of the ninth inning. Kale Brockmeyer, our number eight hitter and first baseman, stepped to the plate on the first pitch of the ninth inning, hit a walk-off home run on opening night for the South Bend Cubs, and South Bend won by a score of 2-1. to one. And the guy who picked up the win for South Bend that night, his name was James Ferris. He was from Gilbert, Arizona. He pitched for the Arizona Wildcats, drafted by the Chicago Cubs. But James Ferris stayed loyal to his favorite baseball team because in James Ferris's wallet, as a South Bend Cub, he had a debit card that had the St. Louis Cardinals on it. That caught my eye as a Cardinal fan. I asked him about it. He said he never changed. He was still a fan. Of course, he was a Cub prospect. He wanted to be a Cub player. But he said he had been fined multiple times by teammates for using that debit card on the road in previous years as a Cub prospect with a Cardinal debit card. So he said it was a little costly, but he kept it. Eventually, he got traded away to, I believe, Colorado and then gave up baseball. But a lot of little stories with all these minor league players. And in fact, that opening night, April 9th, 2015, it was the first ever full season game for 
a kid that the Cubs had high hopes for. He hit sixth that night and played shortstop, and his name was Glaber Torres, eventually traded for Raldis Chapman in 2016, just, what, about a month and a half or so before the Chicago Cubs would go on to break the curse and win that 2016 World Series. And Glaber Torres having a good bounce-back year with the New York Yankees in 2023. Jason Vossler hit seventh for South Bend that night. He's been up with the Giants last year with the Reds this year, hit several home runs right now at AAA Louisville in the Cincinnati organization. So still some players playing baseball from that first-ever South Bend Cub game, April 9th, 2015. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 20 minutes after 6 o'clock, today's My Five involves college football. Georgia has won back-to-back national football titles. They demolished TCU in the title game in January 65-7. to Can they make it three in a row? They'll have to do it with a new quarterback. Stetson Bennett is now a Los Angeles Ram. So the My Five is this. Who are the five teams that could provide the toughest challenge for the dogs this year. Keyword could. More appropriately, probably won't, but maybe. So I did my best to try to come up with five teams that might challenge the old dogs in 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. This one goes into the not likely category, but we need five teams. Number five, an October 28th matchup in Jacksonville, the rivalry game, the old cocktail party matchup with the Florida Gators. Florida just 6-7 and seven last year, even with the number four overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft on their squad. That being Anthony Richardson, now an Indianapolis Colt. So Billy Napier arrived in Gainesville after a good run at Louisiana. He went 6-7 and seven in year one. So how do they replace Anthony Richardson? Yeah. Graham Mertz is the leading candidate to run the Gator offense. Do you remember Graham Mertz? Yeah, he was the guy that played quarterback at Wisconsin, the most highly acclaimed quarterback in Wisconsin recruiting history. Didn't turn out to be the guy they were hoping for. Well, he's going to try to turn things around with the Florida Gators. Now, the Gators went out and got a defensive coordinator. After two years as the D.C. at Southern Miss, they are hoping that Scott Armstrong can tighten up that side of the football. But you have to fill out the My Five. Florida was the fifth best choice. We'll go with them for that October 28th matchup in Jacksonville. Another not likely candidate. September 16th, between the hedges in Athens, the South Carolina Gamecocks. We saw South Carolina and the Gator Bowl. The Fighting Irish won a wild one with USC, or the eastern version of USC. 
South Carolina went 8-5. They ended the year by beating their rivals, the Clemson Tigers. Good news for South Carolina. Their quarterback is back. He transferred from Oklahoma, had a good year last year. But Spencer Rattler looks to have an even bigger 2023, and he has one of his favorite targets back in wide receiver, Juice Wells, who had 68 catches and six receiving touchdowns last year. The defense lost a lot of parts. Offensive line needs some parts. So what I'm saying is, like Florida, we had to fill out the list. South Carolina, fourth on the list of toughest challenges for the Georgia Bulldogs in 2023. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. This goes into the not likely category as well. But I'm going to respect Ole Miss's running game. When you have a good running game, maybe you can shorten the game, keep it close. But November the 11th, Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels come between the hedges for a matchup with Georgia. Quarterback could be Dart again. They've got some options, but they've got their horseback in Koshan Judkins, who had 1,565 rushing yards last year for Ole Miss. They picked up a guy that has national championship rings from his time with Nick Saban at Alabama. Defensive coordinator Pete Golding out at Alabama. Now an Ole Miss running Rebel defensive coordinator. So a chance to go up against Nick Saban every year for Pete Golding. But does he have answers for Georgia? We'll have to see. But Ole Miss number three on the list of possible tough challenges for Georgia this year. Number two. Now we get a little more serious. This probably is the maybe category. The number two team on the list has the home field advantage against Georgia. Maybe under the lights at Neyland Stadium with Rocky Top playing in the background. November 18th, Georgia at Tennessee. That is a high-powered volunteer offense, but Hendon Hooker now in the National Football League. The question is, can former Michigan quarterback Joe Milton become Hendon Hooker? He has a strong arm. You need more than a strong arm to have success at the college level, but he has quite the weapon. Joe Milton will not have the luxury of Darnell Wright blocking for him this year. Darnell Wright is gone. He's now working at Hallis Hall. The number 10 pick in the draft from Tennessee, Darnell Wright, now plays for the Chicago Bears. And something that has to get better, Tennessee, number 127 out of 131 teams in the FBS in pass defense. Number one. Georgia's won back-to-back national titles. Can they make it three in a row? Who are the five teams that could provide the toughest challenge for the Dogs? We started with Florida, then South Carolina, Ole Miss at Tennessee, and coming in at number one, December 2nd. Down in Atlanta, the SEC championship game. Who will face them? Probably one of two teams with quite the Notre Dame flavor to them. 
Could it be the LSU Tigers? Brian Kelly's family, Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator, Logan Diggs, or will it be the Alabama Crimson Tide with Tommy Reese leading the way in that offense? I think they got a quarterback by the name of Tyler Buckner down there, too, that might be the starter. So, not sure who it's going to be, but LSU with Jaden Daniels at quarterback, that is a big, big plus for LSU. And Alabama, do they have the quarterback situation figured out? A lot on the plate of Mr. Reese down in Tuscaloosa. That is today's My Five, the five teams that could provide the toughest challenge for the Georgia Bulldogs this year, Florida, South Carolina, Ole Miss at Tennessee, and then either Bama or LSU in the SEC title game. 28 minutes after 6 o'clock. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat on the way on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the South Bend Cubs Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Six thirty-three at WSBT. I mentioned earlier the Indianapolis 500. A couple of decades ago, you knew everybody in the race. It's a totally different story this year. Just looking at the top of the grid. And I will not pronounce these names correctly. I'll admit I did not look them up. This is a last-second change to the show. On the poll is Alex Palou of Ganassi Racing. Boy, they've been so good through the years. Renus VK of Ed Carpenter Racing. Second, that's a Chevrolet. In fact, you've got four Chevrolets in a row after a Honda on the pole. Felix Rosenquist. Santino Ferrucci of AJ Foyt Racing. I was a big AJ fan, so I always like to see who is in the AJ cars. Really the first recognizable name is Scott Dixon, the Ganassi Racing Honda. He'll start sixth. Alexander Rossi, seventh. Takuma Sato, eighth. He had some fast laps in practice. Tony Kanan, a former winner, comes in at number nine. Will Power, 12. Ed Carpenter, 13. You've got Elio Castroneves, the four-time winner. He starts in the 20th position. And one of the stories of the week was Graham Rahal not making the field. He got bumped, but he's now in the field. He's going to fill in for Stefan Wilson. The British driver suffered a fractured vertebrae in a crash during Monday's practice session. So Rahal, after being dramatically bumped from the field by his teammate Jack Harvey, he is back in the field. He will start in position number 33. Major League Baseball. This afternoon, the Cardinals pick up a win over the Reds by a score of 2-1. to one. And also, Tampa Bay beat Toronto 6-3. The Rockies outlast the Marlins 7-6. And it is San Diego in front of Washington 5-3 in the seventh. We have some sizzler picks to get to in just a moment here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 